Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a speaker, a coach, and a published author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will share tips, tools, and strategies used by our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in their lives. I am on a mission to educate, empower, and inspire you to see that when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today, I am so grateful and thrilled to be connecting with Nina Roberto. Nina and I spoke at an event last year in September, and we shared the stage, and we both were able to share our story and very vulnerable moment. And I just connected to Nina and the emotions and the story and what she has gone through over the past eight years. It was very, very powerful. She is a cancer survivor to a thriver. And imagine being in the challenge of dealing with the day-to-day changes and chemo and radiation and surgery for breast cancer and still feeling deep down that you know that you are going to do something with this. You are going to make a difference. You're going to speak openly. You're going to share. You're going to help other people who are going through the same battle. And that is exactly what Nina does is she shares her story and she works with all kinds of women to help them to see that like when they take ownership of their choices, their mindset, their beliefs, their habits, and what they do that they can drastically change their story. Nina really speaks about the power of thoughts and manifestation and choosing what you want for your life and not being afraid to uproot and change everything and listen to where the joy comes from and follow that and not be afraid that it just might have some very big bumps in the road and you'll figure it out, living in that faith that you'll figure it out. She is a motivational speaker and a success and empowerment coach, and she's just launching a program called Like a Boss, which she is exactly like a boss, so I think it is perfect for her to be doing this. I can't wait to see what she is going to do, impact, and connect with other people. She's a great speaker. She has been coaching breast cancer patients and survivors, and she's now opening up that business to life coaching. So she is going to be impacting a number of people and making a massive, massive difference in this world. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode because Nina really dives in and shares what that cancer journey was like and what the chemo and the radiation and the life-altering changes that followed It's just, I'm so grateful for her vulnerability, her realness and honesty, and it will touch someone who is listening. I know it will. And I believe it will motivate all of us to be the best advocate for ourselves that we can be because it all starts with us. Everything that we want to create in this life, that we want to do in this life, all starts with us and us doing the work on us. So she really dives into that and she shares her perspective and what she's gone through. So I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. Thank you so much, Nina, for sharing so much with us. And let's dive in. Welcome everyone to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today I am so thrilled to have Nina Roberto with me. Nina and I met in 
Toronto last year. We both spoke on a stage at Marlo Ellis's event, the Uncommon Women Live Tour. And Nina is an empowerment coach, speaker, and definitely is running a new program called Like a Boss, which I love. Mm -hmm. Nina had such a powerful, powerful story. And for meeting her for the first time, I think we met earlier in maybe a couple months before that, an event. Like a dinner. Yes, we did. And we met then. And it was just, um, there was just a strong connection. I, I can't, I admire everything that she's doing and I admire how strong she has been through her story. So Nina is here to share her story with us today. So welcome, Nina. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. You are very welcome. I'm excited. It took us a little bit of time to coordinate it, but it's all worth it, right? It's all worth it. Absolutely. So before we get started, I'm going to ask you a few questions just so that people can get to know you and to sure. just lay some groundwork, okay? okay? Where are you from? I'm from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But you are not living in Thunder Bay right now, right? No, now I live in Toronto. Nice. Yeah, I moved here about five years ago, but my pretty much my entire life, 40, 42 years of my life was spent in Thunder Bay. Wow. So tell us about snow in Thunder Bay compared to wow. Toronto. Do you know what? Okay, so the snow here, it snows and then it, it melts. Right. right. I never shovel my driveway here ever. Right. In Thunder Bay, it, it just keeps piling up. I mean, <laughs> there's not such a diverse temperature. You know what I mean? Here you can yeah. wear a t-shirt one day and the next day you're freezing. There it's very consistent. It's okay, cold. so it's consistently cold. Yes. <laughs> I was just going to say. Yes. And nice in the summer, but yeah. shorter summers. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. It is North. <laughs> so true. No, so true. I mean, I found that the last few years of winter for us seems to be a bit of a roller coaster. Rain, snow, right? Gone, but typically still cold. Not as cold as Thunder Bay, but typically cold. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So are you a reader? Yes and no. I mean, I, I go in waves. Okay. So I can you think of an impactful book that you read that hit home for you, made a difference for you in your journey? Anything that... In my journey, Mm -hmm. an impactful book. Let me think here. Mm -hmm. Wow, there's so many. I know, I know. It's hard, and one will pop into your head. And if and if not, no worries. I just thought I'd check and see if there's Uh, one. You know what? I'm going to have to think about that one. Okay, you think about it. If it comes back to you, let me know. I know. I threw you on the spot here. I know. I'm I'm really into the big self help books, right? Yes. There's no shortage of them. No, there's no. So, but what I'll do is, I'm very bad at finishing a book. So mm-hmm. I'll read it and then put it down and then I'll start another one because I'm excited, right? And I yes. kind of, yes. I have yeah. noticed myself doing that and then I'm, I'm really working on, I might be reading like two books at a time or three sometimes, mm-hmm. but I tend to read something in the morning that's a little bit more like not business, but just along that lines, personal development, self-development. And then I have been allowing myself to read fiction at night because oh. I just, to unwind, right? To unwind. And there's so many great fiction books now where they're basically like a, you know, one or two pages a chapter. They're short, fast, easy, just enough to shut my brain down before bedtime. That is, it's, yeah, I started that about six months ago and I definitely, it helps. It definitely helps. I have squirrel brain. I audiobooks now. I, yeah. I, I, I know a lot of people love to have that book in their hands and I was mm-hmm. like that, but now, I mean, living in Toronto, if you're on the subway, oh, I great. listen to audiobooks, right? I love audiobooks. Love, love, love audiobooks. The E-Myth Revisited. That was one. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all kinds. Of, I like business books. 
Yes. I like business books. Um, there's a bunch of them. And I also, like, I just recently finished Rachel Hollis's Girl Stop Apologizing by audiobook. And she's got such a fantastic voice for the audio. So it's a great, like, either of her two books are really good. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I should write that down. Um, a mentor who has been impactful in your life. A mentor or a person who has been impactful in your life. I would... Oh boy, these are hard. You, you just come right off. Okay. <laughs> mentor. Oh boy. I would say my brother. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, on the big scale, I mean, I'm a big, you know, when I was 16 years old, I went to Brian Tracy and he really changed my life at the age of 16, right? You, you know, Brian eat the Tracy. Frog, right? Eat that frog. Is that him? Uh, he's, he, he writes so many yeah. books a year. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. just been, he's like the original Tony Robbins. Right? Yes. Yeah. And when I was 16, my brother took me to uh, a two day a Phoenix seminar and I was the youngest person by far, but it mm-hmm. changed my life like completely at that age. And I went from, you know, in high school, all of a sudden I was valedictorian. I was at the year. Like I just started to excel. Wow. So it, it was, wow. actually last year I brought my children to see Tony Robbins. Did so you really? I wanted the same thing for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. So, but uh, it was my brother because he's just, uh, he's 16 years older than I am. Okay. He's like a second father to me. Yes. And he taught me so many valuable lessons. He said, Nina, one of the biggest ones I remember he, he said, when you're dealing with somebody, you have to really make sure, Nina, it's a win-win situation, right? Mm-hmm. If you have leverage over someone, you never want to squeeze them, you know, to the point of, mm-hmm. right, taking mm-hmm. advantage because it's, it's going to come back and hit you. You always want to leave off where it's a win-win. What and a beautiful piece of advice, advice to hear from a young age. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a, that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah, because when you're in a competitive world, even in mm-hmm. business, you know, it's, it's your natural instinct, instinct if you are competitive to want to win and, you know, beat some, you know, not beat some, yeah. but, no, no. Win and, but it's not necessarily the best outcome for the long run. You become a no, no, it's not. And I, I mean, I'm a strong believer in collaboration and working with other women and connecting and there's no competition because if we literally all run the exact same business, but we truly bring ourselves to the table, there is no competition, right? There is none. It's all about us. If we can stay true to who we are, we all have something unique and there's right people will connect with us when we show up. So I think that there's no competition. So to hear that message from a young age, I think is really powerful. That's great. I I remember, you know, as as an example of this, uh, I owned a gift shop for about 20 years, Mm -hmm. about three gift shops, right? It was called Global Experience back in Thunder Bay. Wow. And, you know, often a lot of craft people would come and try to sell their crafts to me and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, get, and they really wanted my store. My store was quite popular. So I had the leverage, you know, so I could have squeezed a lot of people to, just so they can have space on my shelf. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you talk to somebody and they've made something and they've got, you know, you're talking to them, you hear their story. It's like, you know what, I'm not going to, not going to fight for so much. No. Right. I'm going to, no. they, they need to, they need to. So I found it didn't make me very, a ruthless business person. That's for sure but fair. No, but that, but here's the thing, right? I actually think that, so if you were in a position where you could have leveraged somebody like leveraged, not in a positive or productive way, I understand business. I totally get that. But I actually think that we all have time where we are on the leverage and we are on the time we need help. And I just think that if we can keep that in perspective, that when we need help, there will be people who will 
be there to support us because we give back when it's when we can right we get we give in ways that we can because we're always on both ends of the spectrum it's not you know we, we're gonna have times in our life where we're in a higher time things are smooth everything's going but then we find ourselves on the lower end of the time and it's a bit of receiving that we have to accept and take the help so I think it is a give-and-take for sure absolutely yeah, yeah. I do think it's a give-and-take um, last question what lifts you up what drives you what what is something that just keeps you going and motivates you Wow, that's a great question too. Ah, so many things. <laughs> my, it's, I'm not going to say my fear of failure, but my, my ambition to succeed. Right? I just, I can't. I, I, I have, I have to always be the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really within myself. Nobody can tell me anything mm -hmm. that will drive me more than I tell myself. Okay, so this is so that's a really interesting thing to lead on because I think that we all have, right? We have those times where it, I mean, we can read, we can do podcasts, we can do, we just talked about this before we started recording. We can do the things that help us to change our headspace in those moments. But if we don't change the words that we're saying to ourselves, then it doesn't matter. Like it, it just doesn't matter because, right? If you are speaking those words, and you are thinking them and believing them, then it's just, it's going to take like 10 times the amount of positive information coming in in mm -hmm. order to shift that. So your thoughts are incredibly, incredibly important. A hundred percent. I mean, it's all within me, right? Mm -hmm. Myself. I cannot depend on anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have to work on me, make myself the best version of myself. And right. if I want it, I got to get it. I have to go after it. I have to and I have to motivate myself in the morning, right? Yes. Of course, there's many things that lift me up, the smiles on my children's faces, right? right. I right. mean, there's things like that that motivate me and I see them. That They help me get through my breast cancer journey more than right. anything. Right, right. At the end of the day, no matter what, I know I'm very aware of my own inner power mm -hmm. and, and what I need to do. And that is one of the things, in my opinion, that makes you a very powerful speaker is that you know how to tap into that, you know, and recognize the power of that and help people to think differently that that is a power we all have because a lot of us feel sometimes and I felt that way that no, I don't have my power. It's like somebody took it away from me because look at my situation and my circumstances. Mm -hmm. And this might trigger some people, but the fact that we always do have our power, a lot of times we give it away or we forget to exercise it or we forget to take charge of things that we can control. Mm -hmm. So that internal power, that internal strength is what gets us through some of those very difficult, challenging times. Absolutely. I always say, why would I give somebody else the remote control to my emotions? <laughs> you just hand it over. Here you go. You can Make have it. it. Press the buttons and I'll just feel how I'm supposed to My do puppet it. strings. I'll just do whatever you want, whenever. Yeah, no, thank you. When I was going through my, my separation, that's how I, I mean, I felt so stuck. Well, just mm -hmm. before the separation, I felt so stuck in the marriage. Mm -hmm. Why is this happening to me? I mean, it was a, it was a different ball game then. And I look back now and I think, wow, you know, I always had the power and strength to leave. Yeah. I always, I, you are exactly where you're, you are supposed to be at any given time. And even if that means you don't love it, right? Yeah. I know there's times where it's like, oh, why am I here? But mm -hmm. And even sometimes um, when you find yourself, like almost feel like you've taken 10 steps back and you're in a situation that it's like, oh, gosh, why am I here? Right. Sometimes I, when I catch myself saying that, why am I here? I stop and I'm like, what am I here to learn? What am I here to learn? What am I, why does this, 
this keeps happening because I'm not picking up. There's a message I need to learn right now. What am I not? So it's just that perspective, right? Changing that perspective mm-hmm. can make a big difference. Yeah, hundred percent. When we were, when I was in LA for uh, the Bliss Project, mm-hmm. uh, I I stayed with a girlfriend, and she brought me to a Kabbalah class. Right, I've oh, never been before, wow. mm-hmm. and it was really amazing because they talked about you being the star of the movie of your life. You are the star of this movie, and everyone around you, they're supporting characters, and they're there, oh. right, to support you in Beautiful. your life and and to teach you something, mm-hmm. right, and and. For me, in my case, it was God, who is the executive producer. Right? Oh, I love that. Right? And yes. so now I really look at people, why is this person in my life? Mm-hmm. Why, how are they here to support me or teach me something? Mm-hmm. So everyone in my life, I just look at uh, like that. Why, why did I meet this person? What am I supposed to learn from this person? Right? See, that's, that's, no, that's very powerful. And sometimes, I don't know if you know the quote, the seasons, reasons, and lifetimes. I love, that's one of my favorite wow. quotes. That's people amazing. come into our life for seasons, reasons, and lifetimes. And yeah. the number of people that come into your life for a lifetime is small, right? It is wow. actually small. But that's seasons nice. and reasons, and we might not like those reasons. Like sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, like this person is just driving me batty. But maybe they're here to teach me something about myself. Maybe they're here. So that different perspective as opposed to using the anger and frustration at somebody else. It's like, what can I take from this? What can I learn from this? And it's Mm -hmm. so powerful to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you look at it through that lens of life is a classroom, we see that all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And just the learning of it, because it's not like when bad things happen, it's always a lesson. If you look at it like, oh no, what am I going to do? And Mm -hmm. as a failure, but no, what was I supposed to take from this? And how can I make it better next time? How can I avoid something happening? Or right? It's just, it's all teachings. Oh, it's all teachings. And I mean, this sounds for somebody who's listening, they might be listening and going, okay, well, that sounds really easy. We all know you and myself included that we didn't always see things that way. And there was a point in time where that almost felt impossible to think and feel that way. Well, you know what you said about, um, you know, friends coming in for seasons and whatnot. I kind of took it to the extreme about a month ago. I've got to tell you this this story. Mm. You know, I was thinking about that. And then I had a friend that uh, we just weren't getting along, but she was, she was a friend of mine for about four years. Right. And we became pretty close. And finally I, she did something that made me angry. And I actually said to her, I was like, well, you know what? I just don't think we're meant to be friends. And I, mean, and I took it to the extreme. Like I almost like broke up with her. Right. I, Cause I'm thinking, well, our season's done. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I made a mistake actually because she was actually a good friend, but I thought, well, maybe she's only supposed to be here for this short amount of time. And so, I mean, we're friends again now, but I mean, I, I took it to the extreme. I thought, okay, that was not good. Well, and we also do that too, because sometimes we can get stuck in thinking like, what does this mean for us or what is, and not knowing that maybe the other person is just going through one massive crap right? storm. Like they're just right? going through so much stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So since this is not how you always used to think about, you know, and be able to perspective wise, take us back to a time where that was not the norm for you. Like that was not the norm for you feeling that way. Like you, and you've had a handful of challenges over these last half dozen years. Since since late 2011. 2011. Yeah. I mean, before that, I have to be honest with you, my childhood, I didn't have any childhood trauma. I have great parents supported. They're still together, right? I mean, I played sports. So, you know, the whole bit, I I had a pretty normal childhood and upbringing, even through my my, uh, university years and whatnot. Got married. I had to my childhood sweetheart, my my high school sweetheart, had three children. Uh, Then you, you find... 
I was, thir- I was, I'll bring you to when I was 39 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm 47 now. Mm-hmm. And I was just miserable. I, I, my husband and I were not getting along. Uh, I felt, you know, when somebody's indifferent to you, that's how I felt. We're raising these children and I was just, mm-hmm. there. I felt so lonely. I felt I was in this marriage, but lonely. Mm-hmm. And I felt I was in this city, which is Thunder Bay at the time. And I felt I had these walls and I was in this glass house and everyone was just could see, was analyzing my life. Right. And we were that power couple. I was very successful in real estate. So on the outside, I was, my face was plastered in houses all across the city. Mm-hmm. He was a tall, you know, firefighter, handsome. We had three beautiful children, big house cars, but inside I was, I kept saying the words, I'm dying. I'm oh. dying. Oh my God, this is killing me. I hate this. I'm so lonely. And then I kept asking him, can you like, let me go? Why are you, why are you trapping me here? If you don't, like, I was waiting for him to make the move, mm-hmm. right? Because I didn't think I could do it. Right. I, I could not unravel this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And by saying those words, it's like I manifest and called in sickness. Because, you know, I prayed so much for God to just get me out of this misery to help me. And I think it came through breast cancer. So, so, so from the point of unhappy in marriage to wanting to have, and I understand that, like, it's, it's not a case of faults of it, just for people listening, like you and the flip side, people have asked, like, how did you make the marriage work for us when times were tough? Um, two holes make the whole, like not two halves, right? And if you're not, if, if the two aren't at least happy taking care of themselves, you can't fix it with marriage. Right. Has, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so from the, from the point where you are unhappy to the point where you are now experiencing breast cancer, how, what was that transition like? And what was that time like for you? What happened? Um, to be quite honest. Okay. So there was a bunch of affairs that had happened. Okay. Deal through that. Yes. And that took a toll on me. Of course. And I was at, I was like every other, you know, many women that put everyone before themselves. So I started to gain weight and just, it was, I was just helping everybody else. Mm-hmm. So when I got the diagnosis that I had breast cancer, it was a couple of days after my 40th birthday party. That's what I thought, I thought yeah. it was right after. Mm-hmm. And I was, of course, devastated. I mean, the, the doctor gave me the diagnosis and I vomited. It was just so hard. But in a way, I think subconsciously, it was some kind of relief. And I'm noticing that now when I look back. Mm-hmm. Because I always had this thing that maybe people didn't like me. So I was out there, right? Wow. But I thought people don't like me. I'd walk into a room and I don't know if that was anxiety. And I, oh, they're talking about me, right? They or internal, me. right? Or your own, yes. your own internal, Yep. But then when I got breast cancer and all of a sudden people started to reach out and I thought, wow, I never thought she liked me. I never thought, right, all these things. And so much love was being poured to me, uh, towards me. And I thought, wow, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, um, it was permission for me to be vulnerable, not be the powerhouse businesswoman. To, right. So it's just, it was so jam-packed with emotions, right? Oh, I was, how could it not be? Oh, I was only 40, right? right? So they had to take, and it had spread to my lymph nodes. So they had to take very aggressive action with me. Okay. That scared me. And so, was it from the point of diagnosis to the point of action, like fairly, fairly quick? No. Well, 
I felt a lump just yeah. before Christmas. Yeah. I got a call. Uh, I, yeah. So I had a lump. Uh, what did I have? I had a, a, a mammogram and ultrasound. Yeah. Just after Christmas, they said, oh, after New Year's, they said, oh, there's some kind of lesion there. We, we have to biopsy it. Mm-hmm. It took three months for me to get that biopsy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And in my head, and this is a, a huge thing I want to tell the listeners <sighs> is, you know what? Fight for yourself with, when it comes to like, be true advocate, be an advocate for yourself. Do not just say, Oh, well, if it's really bad, the doctor's going to do something about it. No, you are literally paperwork. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's exactly it's they're They're overworked. They have so much. Exactly. Like, it's easy. It's easy. And subconsciously we want to not hear anything back. Right. right. So, yeah. I, I was a realtor at the time. I was in an open house. I heard the message from my doctor and I said, okay, so he's putting me in for a biopsy. He'll let me know. And if it's, if there's a problem, it'll be taken care of. And I waited till March. So I really thought it was nothing. And it was did aggressive. Did you call to get follow-up or did they call you because something was missed? Like, No, they called me to let me know the results of my, my mammogram and my ultrasound saying that there's a lesion there. Okay. And I needed to get a biopsy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, if, if it was really bad, they'd get me in tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. They know, but that's not how it works. So I would definitely have... You know, I knew people there. It's Thunder Bay. You know everyone. I could have called the oh, secretary yeah. and said, listen, I've got three kids. You got to put, you know, I, I could have just done what I, I I had to do to push myself to the top and get me in. And right. I didn't, I, did, I didn't want to think about it. No one disavoided it. Everybody can relate to that. Like it's not, it's the, the reality part, right? It's the reality piece that's just, mm-hmm. yeah. 100%. So it was my 40th birthday coming. So I thought, you know what? I want a party. I want a big dance party. Cause in the back of my mind, it lingered like, what if? So I had the biopsy done two weeks before my birthday Mm -hmm. and then, uh, had my huge birthday party and it was just everything, you know, was just so fun. And, uh, yeah, then I got the diagnosis and my life just kind of came and everything started to unravel at that point. Well, I mean, it's like there was a lot of the start of unraveling and then all of a sudden it's like, you just, now you couldn't, it's, you can't fake that anymore. Like trauma comes in and it's, it kind of reveals where things are at. That's what I always find. It just, it's, it's, you can only wear the, the mask or the bandaid or that for so long. And eventually when you're dealing with that kind of trauma, your body's just like, I just don't even have the energy to fake it. I don't have it. I look back and all those times I said to myself, this is killing me. I'm dying here. I'm dying in this city. I feel like I'm dying. You know, I was calling in sickness and there you go. I I got sick. I firmly, firmly believe that. And I know that maybe not everybody listening might think along that lines, but you know, I just, um, when you, when you continually call in something negative to yourself and you don't even realize it, you know, it's, I was just at something and this person said, I suck at that. I'm like, no, why would you say that? Like, why would you say, why would you say that? Mm-hmm. Actually, I totally disagree. And I think that you are great at this. They were so uncomfortable with one compliment that they literally wanted to run and hide. Mm-hmm. And instead I was like, no, 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 you're standing and you're going to practice saying thank you. Because yes. honestly, you have to be able to receive that. Mm-hmm. If you think you suck, you suck. You're making that happen. Like it's, you have to change those thoughts. And I still think this is a fairly new concept that a lot of people struggle with. It is a challenge. Oh, if people understood the power of oh. their words, they would never say something negative again. So speaking of that then, was there a point in time when you got your diagnosis, you knew what you're going forth? Was there a point in time where you're like, 
I don't know if I'm going to beat this or was there a point in time you're like, I am absolutely beating this? Like, how was your brain? What's really bizarre is that we live in, you know, this age where we put a man on the moon, we, you know, we do all kinds of things and they could not tell me straight out if the cancer was gone. And that just blew my mind. I'm like, what do you mean? Run me through something and just tell me if it's gone. They're like, oh, well, we've done all the treatments. So it should have taken care of everything. How do you feel? And I'm 40 and I shouldn't have cancer. So can we just not play on shoulds? Yeah. Yeah. So that really, that really freaked me right out. That was disturbing for me because I could not believe that was stressful. And Mm -hmm. I did, you know, because it's such a a process. So I started off, okay, so had a lumpectomy first where they removed it the, the, the um, lump from my breast, they found, so that I had a large lump and then I had nine little ones starting. So they said, nine, nine. I had two types. And, and so they said, wow, we have to be very aggressive here because you're young and this is moving fast. Mm -hmm. I just said, all right, do whatever you need to do. do." Yeah. Uh, You know? Um, and so that they started that process. So every time I had to go in for a scan, you know, mm-hmm. I, I put on that blue gown and go into that little change room and I would just bawl and I'd pray and I'd pray and I'd pray, please let them not find it. Hope it didn't spread to, you know, cause you don't know how fast it's moving. It's like, you've got this silent killer inside you and you don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, is it in my spine? Why does my back hurt? Why does my hip hurt? Oh, I'm it's sure just, you start to overthink every single feeling oh, you have, right? I pray so much. I, you know, on my phone, I, it just said, in the name of Jesus, I am healthy. <laughs> you know, everywhere. Oh, I, had, I had everywhere. I would wow. It was, so you sound to me like from the very beginning was like, no, I'm going to stay in faith and I'm going to stay in belief and stay in that this is going to work out. Like I am going to be okay. I had to. There, that was my, my fight inside me. There was yeah. no way that I was going to let any doubt in my mind. So the fear is there. You cannot stop that, right? No. But you know, inside me, I was just, all right, that's my competitor. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to do this. My mom was, and the thing is I had to gain a bunch of weight because they had to take my breast tissue from my stomach. Right. Okay. I was getting, um, uh, radiation at the end. Mm -hmm. And so it would have warped any kind of, uh, uh, implants. Okay. So they said, Nina, you have to, you have to eat. You can't lose any more weight. And so imagine trying to gain weight during chemotherapy, right? No. So mom, she's feeding me pasta and get, you know, <laughs> I'm looking down at my son and saying, come on, you've got to grow bigger. That's the, thing, the size of my boobs. <laughs> Sorry. That is the only time that is ever going to happen for a female, right? That is the only time they're going to say that. Yeah. Do you want to talk about being appreciative too? I mean, I'll, I'll give you a snapshot of this. I had mm-hmm. no hair. No eyebrows, no eyelashes. I was pale. My fingernails were turning. They were dark. And I had to pig out. Like, can you imagine, right? It was just everything feminine about me was gone. Oh, and then my breasts were, you know. (laughs) Well, they were the, I mean, they were the nemesis right now. Like what she, everything. I was getting cut up and I had so many scars all over my body. And it was just like, are you kidding me? How much, how much lower can I get? How much, you know, yeah, I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize who I saw. No, so, I, but no. I, I appreciate it now, though. I honestly, Marsha, I look back and I just appreciate I, when I look at myself, I don't, 
look for perfection. I'm just like, wow, I got, I got my hair, you know? Oh, I'm just happy. You are absolutely stunned that you weren't that. I mean, you're stunning. You are. You're gorgeous. No, I, I feel just blessed. Yeah. But it shows and exudes in you. And I think that's the difference, right? Like it's, um, I'm going to make you blush for a second. You guys can't see her. But it's <laughs> the fact that like you are, you are, you're stunningly gorgeous, but you are beautiful inside and out. And you can see that. And I think it's, I think you have seen both sides of it. And I think when you are saying that you feel grateful for the lessons and the experience, like it's 100% authentic. You can see it. Very few people, like imagine to anyone listening, get to the point in your life where you can take some of the most difficult experiences you've ever had and express gratitude towards them. It's, that is a, that is a transcending, that's a whole new level of gratitude, right? It's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a whole new level to be able to do it at that space and that time. And um, that is, I've no doubt, is part of what helped to pull you through is that general mindset. That's huge. Well, I, I, part of me believes that I was meant to go through that journey to help others because the moment I got diagnosed, I remember the night before I went into chemotherapy. So a lot of people didn't know just yet, right? Mm -hmm. But I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm an open book, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a Facebook post. I took like, so my husband was sleeping and I started chemo the next day. I had to start. Mm -hmm. So I went into my bathroom and I just, I just sat there going, Oh my gosh, I don't want to go to bed. Mm -hmm. I looked at myself in the mirror. Like everything's going to start. I'm going to start to transform into a cancer patient. Right. And I was just, I wouldn't sleep. And, and so I did something unusual. I took a selfie at that time and I would not do that then. Mm -hmm. And I posted on Facebook mm -hmm. and it just with a little message just saying, you know what? Tomorrow I start chemotherapy and my transition, you know, uh, commences tomorrow. And I just want to let you know, if it could happen to me, it could happen to anyone. Oh. Women, please check yourself. And, and uh, you know, so I, then I was so tired. I finally went to bed and I posted it, went to bed. I woke up the next morning and I was just like, oh my gosh, what did I do? And mm -hmm. I said to my husband, oh, I did something so stupid. And I went for my phone and I went to erase this post and it was like, it was shared hundreds of times. It was, wow. there was hundreds of comments and it was all over. Like I just couldn't believe what had happened mm -hmm. and how many people I had touched. And then I started to realize, wow, mm -hmm. right. I need, I wanted to help other women. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, cause it's all about awareness. Right. Oh. And, and it gave me the strength. So and I, and I started to read all the comments from people mm -hmm. and coming from a place where I thought people didn't like me. Mm -hmm. it gave me so much strength that I went into that first chemotherapy appointment and I put my heels on, I put my jeans on, my fancy blouse. I was going to go in sweatpants with my you know, ponytail top of my head, right? Because yes. like, oh, woe is me, right? And right. I, I went like, I'm going to own this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fight it. Goosebumps. On, give, bring it on. Mm -hmm. Little did I realize it would knock the crap out of me. Well, yeah, but, but that's okay. You still went in with the mindset. You didn't go into the mindset that like, I'm just going to knock the crap yeah. out of me and be done in no time. Yeah. And who knows, like maybe did it take a while for the chemo to set in and knock the crap out of you? Or was it a challenge right from the very beginning? Well, so my very first chemo appointment, um, I really did not know what to expect. I thought I'm, I'm strong, you know, I can do this. I'm young. Uh, it was three hours after I got home. Mm -hmm. So I, I walked out of there and I felt kind of weird. Right. Yeah. Could, yeah. But then I, I got home and I was trying to be all strong and then boom, at the three yeah. hour aftermark, um, I couldn't lift my arms. Mm. I could not walk to the door. 
I was just, I, it was the weirdest feeling. I was, it had just sucked every bit of energy out of me. I thought, how am I going to do this for 16 weeks? And what would happen? So 10 days. So I would go every two weeks for my okay. chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And on day 10 is when I usually could get out of bed. Oh, so just enough time to go back to treatment. Yeah. So then, it, so what was horrible is then you have four, four days, right? Because it's 14 mm-hmm. days. Day 10, I could get up. I'd start to feel better. I could walk around the house, do some things. And then you knew it was coming. So it's like, you're just, you know, you got to go back and you just know what's going to happen again. And it would happen again and again. Mm-hmm. So it was, I had a tough time with chemotherapy. I, I did. But you still, like, I, I mean, obviously the work you've done, the headspace, it's still, I mean, because there's, there's something physically happening with the body there, obviously with Mm -hmm. chemotherapy. So like the work that you're, you have to do with your own mindset to keep going is like, it's like 10, hundred thousand times more of what you have to do if you're all healthy and everything is normal. So it's, Right, so you have to be on all the time. Oh yeah, you 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 are digging in constantly to do that. So, yeah. I mean, I, and how long was your your chemo? Sixteen weeks. That was sixteen weeks. Yeah. So okay. I started with a lumpectomy, then I had sixteen weeks of chemotherapy, mm-hmm. and then I had to wait a month before I could get my my double mastectomy. Right. Right. And right. that was like a twelve-hour surgery in Winnipeg. I had to go to Winnipeg for it. Okay. For three weeks, I could not stand straight because remember, they removed all my lower abdomen. Well, it's, I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, just your basic torso trying to... Hip to hip, scar from hip to hip. And I, would, I, I was keeled over for three weeks. I could not stand up. When that finally healed and all the scars healed, that's when I started to, then I had to go into for a 25 days straight of radiation, which I always say was a walk in the park compared to the surgeries I had to go through and right. the chemotherapy radiation. I just had to lay on a table really still and I'd fall asleep. They cooked me though. I was burnt, but um, wow. you know, through that whole battle through bre- of breast cancer, I, what kept me going was helping other people. And I know that sounds really crazy, but I documented as much as I could because I was like, you have to, everyone, this, you, you have to check yourself. You have to, right? So I was just that spokesperson mm-hmm. and trying to let people in. And also and then it was my children. I had three young children. Mm-hmm. And I could not have a pity party for myself, which is okay to do, right? And, and of course. By myself, I, I did once in a while, but I knew I couldn't let my mind go there often. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, when you're my little 10-year-old at the time is saying, mommy, are you going to lose your hair? You know? And I said, yes, I am. But you know, we're going to go get wigs and you can pick out any color you want for mommy. Right. Nice. Right. Nice. But you have the prettiest hair in the family, mommy. You know, like, oh, you have gorgeous hair. <laughs> I'm sure there was. You too. You too. But she, she, you know, you, each child dealt with it differently. Right. Mm-hmm. Capri, my, the one that you met, she, yes. she wrote music and that's where she. Well, was. I was just going to say, is it okay to ask and just tell the, the, cause I mean, I know all of your kids had a role at that point to keep you going. Mm-hmm. I just think Capri had a very interesting role at that time did she internalized it very differently and she's very artistic so the little one again was asking really straight because she didn't understand really what was going on uh but he was 12 at the time and uh she just wrote music and when she she sat i remember she was in the basement she called me down mommy mommy come to the basement and i wasn't feeling well and i thought oh she's going to show me some dance move doing the splits or something because she had a room down there right with a piano and mirrors for dancing and 
And I went down there and she sat at the piano and she started to play the song that she wrote, wrote Hope. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't, have you heard it? Yeah, you've heard I it. I did hear it at the, oh, it was beautiful. And yeah. I mean, I actually looked it up. So anybody who wanted to look it up online, they could Google that with Hope and Capri. Yeah, those two words, Hope and Capri. If It'll come up. Mm-hmm. And look that up, you can see it. And I just was in shock. Mm-hmm. And again, that kept me going because then she started to sing it. And then all of a sudden that went viral and right. she's singing with Nelly Furtado on stage hey. and she's being flown to California. So that was another thing that kept me busy and distracted was, okay, I had to accompany her. And then they wanted to hear my story. It was just this. Just I have goosebumps. I honestly I have goosebumps again. I think, so here's an interesting thing is that I heard you say earlier that you really felt deep down that you were meant to do something with the story. You were meant to do like something more. You weren't meant to succumb to cancer taking over. You were meant to do something with it. Yes. So with everything that was happening with Capri at the same time must've been like, okay, this obviously must mean we are like, we're just meant to do more with this. Like just reaffirm, reaffirming again that, you know, absolutely. And nothing makes me feel more alive than helping someone because I've been there. And, mm-hmm. I, and I see the things that can go wrong in that system. Mm-hmm. I know the feeling when, you know, I had one surgeon in Thunder Bay. He just wanted me to remove my breasts. Let's get it out. You know, it's that scare tactic. He wasn't trying to scare me, but his mentality was just get the cancer out. Don't be vain. Right? Oh, okay. right. That kind of thing. Yes. He didn't say those direct words, but that was it. He was almost yeah. offended that I didn't allow him to just cut my breasts off. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, no, 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 wait a minute. There's gotta be alternatives here. And I did my research and I thought, wow, so many women are so scared that they think, well, okay, I can't, it's either I die. Right. Or mm-hmm. do what they say. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't do that. I, I fought. And again, here back to the point of fight for yourself, investigate, talk to people, research. I ended up going to Winnipeg right? And I had a skin sparing double mastectomy. So they had to remove my nipples. That's gone. Mm-hmm. Remove all the internal tissue, b- remove p- two pieces of my ribs so that they could bring the blood vessels through and then take all the fat from my stomach and, you know, through the two holes that they cut, right. um, replace my breast tissue there. And then, so then for the longest time, I just had two circles there that were my skin color that were my stomach. Wow. I had to get them tattooed, you know, the 3D tattooing. Yeah. Yeah. But if I, if I didn't fight for myself, right. I see so many women that have had not as good results because mm-hmm. they're scared. Cause you know what? I knew I'm going to be good one day and I want, I want, I want to move forward and be better and stronger. And mm-hmm. right. I didn't always want the memories of, of the breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Cause I had a scar from stomach to, uh, from hip to hip a really big jagged scar. Wow. I remember at first being, okay, I'm going to own this. And I'd go on a beach in a bikini, you know, where I'm Italian, right? So yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, but so many people would ask me, oh, did you get a tummy tuck? What is that? You know, because it was such a big scar, mm-hmm. which I would never ask someone, by the way, but people did. I, oh, they do though. This right? is, there's no shortage. Of, oh no, none at all. Actually. You, it, I, I can't ever see myself asking people questions that people ask me i'm like wow really you're gonna ask that i know i tried to be strong in that aspect and wear Mm -hmm. like a badge of honor but then i uh i went when i moved to toronto i walked into a tattoo shop and there was a cube i I found out i wanted a female Mm -hmm. and i found this very charismatic cuban woman 
And with, I said, this is what I want. And she tattooed me from hip to hip. Seriously. She did. I will wow. send you the photos. Actually, it's on my Facebook somewhere. Seriously. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know did that. did an That's article awesome. on me in a tattoo magazine about covering scars. Wow. And, and so now when I go onto the beach, people are like, no, oh, you got a badass tattoo. They do not. There is no, you know, they don't say what's wrong. Right. So I took, I took something so negative. Yeah. yeah. I, I was in, and when I look down, I'm empowered. I feel strong. I'm like, I, I kick, I beat this and it's never coming back. Right. That is such a, like, that is such a powerhouse way to look at it. And I freaking love that because it's right. You decided that, no, this is not going to define me. This is not going to like, it's not a badge of like shame and I'm not going to hide. Right. I'm not. And that's, I think that there's some very valuable lessons there for people who are listening, like advocate for yourself, step up, ask the questions. If you don't like it, reach out and try and find another answer. What else can you do? But being that advocate for yourself. And then like, I just, I've always said like, own that story, like own the crap out of it. Just take, if you stand in this space where you're like, yeah, damn, look at this tattoo. This is what I lived through. Mm -hmm. You don't leave doors open for judgment and because there's no room for it. You don't leave any room for it. Right. It's not, and there's no need for it. So it's a, it's like we change our tone about it that it doesn't leave room for the judgment. And then we're not taking it on anyways, but it's how we handle it that can make all the difference in the world. Absolutely. All the difference in the world. I, I share the story very openly that, I mean, it took me a long time to write my book. And then once I wrote it, I was very much in the standpoint that it's it's embarrassing. It was doing extremely well. And for six months after people would say, you wrote a book. That's amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's a book about a mom and do like, I I couldn't even still Mm. say my story first. Meanwhile, I poured everything out into the book. So it's a case of, I had to change my thinking and my response. And it was like, yes, it's about a mom who dealt with teen substance abuse. Well, the room just like, it would just stop. People would be like, oh gosh, like it didn't know what to say, but there's no room for judgment. I didn't leave any room for it. No, no, that's right. right. So that's it. That's, that's very, very powerful for you to do that. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. So you have done, like, I know I, I, I'm blessed in a sense because I, we got to meet and we crossed paths, but I did get to hear you speak. And um, you are definitely doing something with your story, right? You have been and you are continuing to. And so you're taking it into paths of speaking and coaching and, and doing things. Mm-hmm. What, is, yeah. what well, does that look like now for you? you know, well, when I was going through my, my, um, my treatment, I was speaking then, mm-hmm. right? Wow. Like, yeah, I was speaking wow. at that time for the mm-hmm. Canadian Cancer Society and then also the Thunder Bay Regional Hospital right. to help with money for the cancer center, right? And Capri would sing. So I started back then. And then when I moved to Toronto, I stopped for a bit because there was such a transition in my life, divorce, mm-hmm. the whole bit. Yeah. And now I'm getting back into it. And um, it's it's my passion. It's, you know, I have so, especially for women going through breast cancer. I mean, I get a call almost every day from someone wow. as referred that said, talk to Mina, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I know your, your listeners may not um, connect with this, but if you know somebody that has breast cancer, so what they, what they try to do sometimes is say, well, you only have the lump in one breast, not the other. So let's just treat the one breast. And so they'll either have a breast removed or they'll have reconstructive surgery. Right. And then you're always going to have them looking different and you're always going to worry about it coming to the other one. Right. right? So right. my whole thing is to encourage women to, be proactive. Mm-hmm. You, sometimes you have one kick at the can to use certain uh, parts of your body. 
and to do both, be proactive and have a skin sparing. So that's really where I'm at with, with helping breast cancer patients. Nice. Right. And so now I'm starting, you know, I was always coaching women mm-hmm. always with, with sure. breast cancer, but now I'm taking it to another level where it's a coaching business where they have me consistently for, you know, every week. Nice. Mm-hmm. And nice. also their families, their support, mm-hmm. because a lot of times they don't know how to deal with their wives or their, right? So it's, it, it, these things, when you deal with these life altering changes, they don't just impact the person. This is, I don't think this is talked about enough. It's not to take away from the person who is going through the challenge, the health challenge, the mental health challenge, whatever it is. It's that there's just not a lot of talk about what is it doing to the family and how can the family be supportive? How can the family handle it as best as they can? How can the family still have a voice to hear that, you know, like their lives are changing too, right? It's, it's, it's allowing that space for that to happen. It affects everyone. It mm-hmm. really does. Mm-hmm. Your, your mother, your father, I mean, just everyone. And, and if I could give any, you know, people a piece of advice too, you know, often when somebody's sick like that, they have cancer. Oh no. Right. People often, back, so many people back away because they don't know what to say. Right. They feel so bad for you. They're like, Oh, they don't want to talk to me. Right. And that's not the case. You know, it's okay mm-hmm. just to say, listen, I'm sorry what you're about what you're going through. If you need me, I'm here. If you want to grab a coffee, right. They, or they, they try to talk to you like they're avoiding like it's the elephant in the room. Like, hey, heck, I know I have no hair. I know I, know I have breast cancer. Right? It's not a secret. I do know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I understand how people feel. And me too, I would always think, nobody wants, they're going through so much. They don't want to hear from me. You know, it's, it's really nice. But we do, like we do. And it's, it's a case, I think that it's, I'm glad you said that because there's been a very recurring theme from the women that I connect with and we interview in this podcast. And a lot of them have said that during some of the most difficult times of their life, they remember the people who showed up and said, like, what can I do? How do I support you? And what do you need? Mm-hmm. Not, not like trying to just, I've been just going to talk to her about cancer. It's like, that's not like, what can I do? And we have to be in a space that we allow ourselves to receive that help, right? We do. But, but uh, just giving people an idea, right? It's the ones, the ones, and I say this with the most amount of love, the people who were able to handle the situation that we went through and the ones who showed up and said, what do you need? Or how can I help? Um, they were able to look at it and it wasn't about them. They might've been uncomfortable, but they, it wasn't about them. They were able to come in and say, what can I do to help you out? I want to help. And I, I remember those, and there wasn't a ton of them. There wasn't no, no like not. no hard feelings, but there really wasn't a ton of them. It was much more avoiding people, avoiding us than anything. But when, with those people, I often used to think is like, I, when I am on the other side of this, I will pay this forward in some way, shape or form. I will be able to reach out. I will make myself reach out to ask those questions with people who are struggling and say, is there anything that I can do? Is there anything I can help? Do you need like a coffee, a tea? Yes. Want me to get some groceries for you? Like step yes. out and help someone else. Because that's what I mean when I said from the very beginning, we are always on both sides. There's two spectrums here. We don't stay on one side. It's not all rosy the whole time and things are peachy keen and easy. It's that we, we end up spending time on the other side of it. So it's a give and take situation. hundred percent. I remember when I was, I, I think I initially got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. A woman called me, our sons went to the, uh, they were in the same grade mm-hmm. and she was an orthopedic surgeon, right? So like, why would she want to talk to me? Right. I, it was right. like someone that I thought, you know, mm-hmm. was not, uh, 
but she, I knew her, but she called me and she said, I want you to know that I'm praying for you mm. and, and that you're in my thoughts. And if there's anything you need whatsoever, oh, right. Beautiful. And we became really good friends to this day. She's one of my dearest friends, someone that I never thought would want to be my friend. Right. Right. And she, she's my spiritual girl. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. I'm so grateful she did that. It's exactly. And you know what? That's awesome. And then you, you continue to pay that forward for somebody else. I know you do. So it's, it's this whole pay it forward piece is a big part of my business Mm-hmm. And my coaching, because I, we can't do it alone. Like a, we're not alone and B, we can't do it alone anyways. <laughs> we're just not, we're not meant to get there wherever there is on our own. We're not, it's like, we have to reach out and, and ask for support and be able to receive it because mm-hmm. sometimes what we're dealt with is unbelievable and it's not meant to be done by ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's so true. And one point I really want to get across today too, to your listeners is that, um, you know, having the whole breast cancer thing, right? Journey that gave me such extreme courage mm-hmm. afterwards to do things I never would have done. Wow. I thought, what do I have to lose? So mm-hmm. I had wanted to leave, leave Thunder Bay for so many years to go on an adventure and I, I didn't want to be there. I don't know. And I got the courage to get up and leave my family, which I, if I'll tell you right now, if I did not have breast cancer, that would not, I right now would be. Wow. Wow. Because why not? I could always go back. It just, it gives you this courage to Mm -hmm. try a new job. Right. So it's like, I'm kind of grateful for the whole journey. I know it's mind boggling to say that. I don't want to ever go through it again. I never want to go through it again. No, no, it doesn't mean that you want to do it again. It doesn't mean that because if people say to me, like, would you ever go back to, I love my kids, but would you raise them again? Like if somebody paid you a million dollars, I'm like, nope, (laughs) you couldn't pay me to do those years again. Even knowing what I know now, you couldn't pay me to do it again. I don't want the money. I don't want it. So it's a very, it doesn't mean that we want to do it again. It means that we've taken something from it. And you talk about adventures. I, you know, you did something last year the year before that I told maybe the year before where I just I mean you jumped you went to Bali Bali, one place that I am just dying to go to I look at pictures and I saw your oh I was like oh that is so awesome you and your kids went right the four of us it was I manifested it the year before Mm because I saw a picture of a woman on one of those swings that over the jungle yes and I posted on my Instagram in 2017 yes and said 2018 it's Bali and I'm doing it and I did it I remember I was scouring the internet for flights and I got really great flights really early and I just knew okay the flights are booked I don't know anything else yeah but the money's gonna show up yeah and And it does it it does does. I did it it was a spiritual journey it was amazing I want to show my children the other side of the world it was just it's so freeing it's Mm -hmm. a funny story that happened in Bali actually at the time I was working for a company out of Silicon Valley uh, for two years. Mm-hmm. And I remember being, I think I told the story at the Uncommon Woman where I was sitting in my big chair. Out, mm-hmm. I was a new boot in this beautiful garden, these gardens. And there's waterfalls and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm returning emails for work. And I was kind of <laughs> unhappy, right? I thought, yeah. oh, I want to be having a coffee. And I want to go for a walk. I want to be with my kids. I'm working. Yeah. And I said, God, you know, I just, you got to help me. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And Lowell, I'll tell you right now, there's no word of a lie. An earthquake hit. What? The moment, an earthquake. It was only five on the Richter scale. 
but my, my, my chair started to rock. And I turned around, I thought, is there something hitting, like, is there an animal hitting my chair? Then it happened again, another tremor. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I hear you. Yes, I I will. I will put it down. I I got, yeah. And I quit my job. Oh. Because, Marsha, I got nothing to lose. You are just, oh, you are such a power host. And I mean, you you talk about coaching and you talk about what you're doing and speaking. You could be running a course on manifesting. I'm dead serious. (laughs) Dead serious. Because both sides of it, right? Both sides of it and understanding how we, our thoughts are very powerful. 100%. And it always works out in the end. I know. It always works out. You know, think of all the things that have happened to you and you look back and think, wow. I'm glad I went through that. It would yeah. not make me the person I am today or where I am today or write all these things. I often look at it and I know that I could have read about the lessons. I wouldn't have learned and embodied them the way I had to because life, because of where our life was at. I had to learn how to take those lessons and make them part of my life. Uh-huh. And it would have never happened had I not had to live through some of the worst days I've ever had. Right. right? Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. I, I quit a six figure job. because I felt that that was a big sign. I really look for signs in life now. Yes. Yes. Signs and people. I do that with signs and people. Like I always believe like sometimes that like I, I, I say to people that we, sometimes we, we look around and hear women say this a lot. Like I don't have that tribe. I don't have those friends. I don't have the people that you have in your life. You know, I had somebody reach out after my event saying like, I look at what you have with the people and the women that were there. I don't have that in my life. I didn't either. I honestly didn't either. Um, Not to that level of depth, but we have to show up at that level in depth in order for someone else to connect with us. We have to allow that to happen. We have to decide that that's what we want to do. Like we have to play at a different level if that's what we want to create. It doesn't just happen. Like we have to do that. Mm -hmm. They're not going to knock on your door. No. Say, hello, there's six of us here. We'd like to be your tribe. No, that's not going to happen. No. And you know what? No. And I'm sure you can appreciate this, but when I have those days, we talked about that earlier, those wall kicking days or days where things are just like, oh, I do not like where this is going. Those are the days that I'm like, okay, who can I pour something into? Where can I put gratitude towards something? Where can I shift my energy? I'm telling you, it works every time. It works every time to change my state is who else is this about? And the mantras I've used is like, this is just not about me anymore. It's just not about me anymore. It's mm. way past about, it's like, who can this be paid forward to, mm. to someone else? And that's what you're doing now. And I love it. Absolutely love it. So uh, my, my, some, saying, pardon? my saying is if, if I wake up and I'm above ground, it's going to be a good day. That's a great, that's very simple. 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 simple, but a great, it's a great day, right? It's a great Absolutely. day. Absolutely. I always, I always think that there's some, you know, people suffering in the world and how the best life is a life with gratitude, living with mm-hmm. gratitude for sure. Mm-hmm. That, that really helps. And I do know, like I can, I also recognize that somebody's listening. There was a point in time where people said to me, well, you know, in order to shift your state, you have to, you know, write your gratitudes. I couldn't find Like I honestly, there was just no part of my life that I was loving, to be honest. And so gratitudes were simple that I got out for a walk, that I got like, sometimes it's just what, like what I listened to an audiobook I love, the podcast that I love. You have to find very simple things in your life to be grateful for in order to see the bigger things. Like you can't, you can't see them. You have to build on them. So gratitude is so important and it can take baby steps and it can take a long time to learn it. It really can, but it can change everything. It can change everything. 
and that was one of the reasons too, I want to take my children to different countries to see the state of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just walk through any hospital where people don't have legs and they, you know, like, what, just the fact that we're sitting here, we can talk to each other, Marsha, I mean, what a blessing. <laughs> I, right? It's awesome. Right? It's awesome. It's awesome. Blessing. It's awesome. I and just I love that. I love, it. yeah, I love what you're sharing and I love what you're saying. I love it. You are, where is the best way for people to connect with you and find you and reach out? Yeah, I'm about to launch uh, my, my Facebook business page with the Like a Boss uh, mm-hmm. Success Coaching um, and Empowerment Coaching. But right now I'm on Facebook as Nina Roberto, yeah. R-U-B-E-R-T-O. Mm-hmm. And then my email is Nina at NinaRoberto.com. Perfect. So, People can reach out if you know somebody that's going through breast cancer that just, you know, wants to connect or. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, um, I have two quick questions for you. Most, what is the, if you could go back in time to any age, you can pick whatever age it is. What is the most powerful lesson you wish you would have known then? Well, I learned at a very young age, at 16, right? When I went through that Brian Chase mm-hmm. Tracy thing. But I think just that I have all the power inside of me, mm-hmm. everything, right? Mm-hmm. Just what you want, decide what you want, and that's it. And go for it. Mm-hmm. Just you have the power. It doesn't matter what anybody, you know, says. And I think I would have given other people less power over me. Mm-hmm. I was really concerned of what, I don't know why, I had this thing where I always thought people just didn't like me, right? So... That what a horrible way to live. Yeah, I did. I I just don't even see that at all now, knowing you. But I know what you're saying. I know it's real. I'm not, but I don't see that. But yes, it's. I that was a point in time, and those are real emotions. They really were. Mm-hmm. It was really. I remember walking in high school. I didn't want to go in the cafeteria because I thought, oh. See, if you believe those emotions, for anybody listening to that, if you're in that space and you believe that, it will subtly force you to play smaller in your life because you don't want people to see you because you're assuming that nobody cares or nobody's connecting to you. So the smaller you play, the bigger those feelings get, mm-hmm. right? They just, they just, they reciprocally, they become bigger and bigger and bigger and they take over. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, last question. What, what lesson in life are you the most grateful for? Wow. What lesson? Oh, there's so, there's so many lessons, right, Marsha? Um, mm-hmm. You know what? It's the same kind of lesson that I, I learned and that I have so much power within me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything, everything just points back to me. I know it sounds weird, but no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, I no, it doesn't at all. Not at all. Right? I mean, I've I've called everything where I am right now. It's all because of of what I wanted or thought or said or did. It's all I've created it, right? And I, I think the biggest lesson is I have the power. Yes, I have the power to quit my job, right? I have the power to leave a marriage that I'm unhappy with. I have the power to get up and leave the city that I was born and raised in and doing so well in, mm-hmm. in real estate in, right? Mm-hmm. I have the power to go and speak in front of thousands of people. I can do that all. And I wish I learned that much younger, I right? We should learn these little it, ones. Right? To right? Learn and believed it. Like, like believed it's, it and believed that. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And That's not awesome. held on to you know, the na- people in your life that mm-hmm. are negative energy. That. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think, thank you for sharing that with us. And I think that people can relate to that in the sense that we all have those times where we are not feeling like we just don't believe that it takes practice and it takes work. But I mean, we, we both say the same thing. You, I mean, we all are capable of doing and creating whatever it is that we are here. We know that we're here to do. And by paying that forward and making a difference in the lives of others, you've just added meaning to a very difficult time. And if you can eat that journey for someone else, then that just, that's beautiful. It is. Mm -hmm. I also find that a lot of people don't really look in to find out who they are. Mm -hmm. I think everyone should write every day, something, right? Just Mm -hmm. figure out who you are, what you want. You lose yourself when you become a mother sometimes or a wife or right uh, in a new job, you lose who you are. The better you understand who you are and you can stand there. I mean, it just makes for a better life. Because then Beautiful. it's easier to set boundaries. It's easier to know what you want, where you want to go, what you'll accept. Yes. Really, and, it, and it comes through writing, right? And you go it back to the job, what do I want in my life? Yeah. What were my dreams? Yeah. Right? It does for me too. I find the writing, the writing is, a, is something I, I really can't say enough about is the fact that it helps me to dump out the negative emotions that are there that aren't serving me and helps me to see like what my thought process is going and then helps me to go back to internally going, but do I actually feel that way? I'm like, no, I'm just having a bad day. Oh, okay. Well then let's not give those, those emotions any more energy and let's focus on what do we want to create journaling. When I am consistent with journaling, I can see it in all aspects of my life. I think it's very powerful tool. I agree totally. Mm-hmm. It's something that I haven't been doing every day as of late, but I know, like I, like you said, I know when I, I do though. I'm on. I'm on yeah. fire, right? It's, I know when I do, and I've been committed again. I have an, uh, an accountability partner right now. She might be laughing if she hears this. In that we are like I'm consistently working on 21 days, and I think I got to eight, and then I Ooh, missed two. Like nope, we start again. And I just because I want to be in that state mm-hmm. of grounding my thoughts in the morning when I start. That's, that's mm. what my day will be to start. So it's, mm. it's an exercise, but I think journaling is very powerful. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, this has been wonderful. I'm so grateful to have you on and for, and thank you so much for being so real and sharing what that journey was like, because I think that a lot of people don't talk and share about you know, what chemo was like and radiation and the effect on your marriage and the effect on like your, like your kids and the impact on everyone and how you had to really dig in and the changes you went through. And I think that that is just, I think, thank you so much for being real there because I know someone will relate to that. And that's why I have to be real. That's yeah. why I have to tell my story. That's, you know, you if do. it can connect with one person, I mean, yeah. you know that feeling. Right? I know that feeling very well. It's, and I always say that when I speak, um, when I started speaking in the beginning, it was healing for me. I'm not going to lie. It was very healing for me because I started to see how many other families were affected. You know, in a point that's five years ago, six years ago, when I started talking, nobody talked about substance abuse of kids. Like, mm-hmm. was not talked about. I'm not saying it was the only one, but I couldn't find a lot of people to relate to. And so you end up feeling there must be something wrong with me because no one else has this happening. And it wasn't until you start to do that, then all of a sudden you start to speak and realize, no, there's a lot of people who are going through it, but nobody's talking. Nobody's talking about the feelings of it, the emotions and what they went through. You realize you're not alone. It's healing for you. And then all of a sudden it adds meaning to it. It was, it was, I didn't expect that to happen. Right. And it's, it adds a ton of meaning to what you've gone through to make a difference for someone else. Oh, hundred percent. I remember hearing you speak and I didn't know your story. Mm-hmm. And I was just taken aback because when somebody used to look at you and meet you, 
Yes. No, I wouldn't know it. Right. They have this idea of children with substance abuse there. It's because of the parents or right. And it's like, you are just such a testament to no, it's not, that's not the case. No. And I think my mind. No, thank you. I think, I mean, I think that's why it's so important that I did speak is because, you know, again, we talked about triggers and creating triggers with people to me, I think is important because it's, it's crap that we haven't dealt with. And by being that person who doesn't fit the stereotype of what we think it is, even though I'm telling you, I am the stereotype now, like I am more of the stereotype. It's average families that it's affecting. Mm and impacting that it it didn't fit that mold. So all the more reason to talk, like Mm -hmm. all the more reason to do it and put my face out there and say those things because I was changing the way people were thinking about it. And that's what has to happen. It has to happen. Yeah. Mm, Interesting. No, I'm so so glad we met. Oh, me too. Me too. Me too. I am super proud of you for what you're doing. I can't thank you enough for being so real about this journey with us. And if you would like to connect with Nina, all of her contact information will be in the notes. And I'm just super, super grateful. And thank you for being here today and sharing with us. Thank you. Me too, Marsha. You're You're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. And until the next time, please um, connect back in. If this message resonated with you and you know it'll resonate with someone else, please feel free to share it. It helps us to pass the message and to share Nina's story. So until our next time, thank you so much for joining us today. And we will connect again on another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. Have a great day. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Until next time, remember, when you own your choices, you truly own your life.